Let's, let's just get into it. Open up to Genesis 9. I believe this will be the last Sunday I'm going to preach through Noah. I saved it specifically for the teens and the young adults that were gone last week. And uh, uh, I just felt like this was a word for the whole house, not Genesis 9. Uh, I'm going to start with verse 18. I'm going to skip ahead. Um, this one has been... <laughs> I almost said percolate, and then I started giggling because this thing in my name's Perkins. But <laughs> this one's been brewing <laughs> for a while, and I've been really anxious to get to this. I've been really anxious to get to, especially, uh, well, I, I just want to read the scripture. So, Genesis 9, verse 18. Now the sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these, the whole earth was populated. The Noah began farming a planted vineyard, and he drank wine and became drunk and uncovered himself inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both uh, laid upon both their shoulders and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father and their faces were turned away so that they not, did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine, he knew, he knew what his youngest son had done to him. And so he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants he shall be to his brothers. And he also said, Blessed be the Lord, the, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. Noah lived 350 years after the flood, and so all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. All right. So a whole lot happened right here. Now, we, we, we know the story, familiar story, 40 days, 40 nights, all those years that Noah built the ark and then was, was in it with his family, with his, uh, <laughs> was in it with his family, with all the animals. Now, Noah, the first thing he does is he gets off the ark and he plants a garden and he ends up, I guess it was a little bit, but he ends up harvesting what he planted and he ends up getting drunk and passes out. Now, it's Church of Nazarene. We don't talk about that stuff. But, but I, I say, I say, cut Noah a break. He had been in there with close quarters with his family all that time. <laughs> I'm not condoning, Grant. I'm just saying. Come on, <laughs> it's in here. It's in here. He wasn't Jesus, so he wasn't perfect, but he was righteous. Yes, amen. He was righteous. He walked with God. Yeah. So here's here's I'm just going to give like the premise of this morning, and 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 so what we see here with Noah's sons, I actually believe is a prophetic picture of what the Lord has called us to do, and how the Lord has called us to walk, and how the Lord has Amen. called us to live, because what we see here is one generation's compromise. Yeah. Ends up being the next generation's curse. That's right. Wow. One generation's compromise ends up being the next generation's curse. Wow. And and it's it's it, and it'll make sense here in a second. 
See, it was his son. It was Noah's son that looked at him. And I'll break that word down here in a moment because it means more than that. But when Noah said, curse be, he didn't say, curse be my son. He said, curse be my grandson. Right. And so what, how we live our lives, and I'm saying this, uh, adults, how we live our lives, it doesn't just affect us, it affects our kids. That's right. And affects our grandkids and teenagers and children. Yes. How you live your life isn't just going to affect you. It's going to affect your kids and your grandchildren. That's just right. that's just the truth of the matter. Now, 9.22 says, Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, and he told his brothers outside. All right, so, so let me just be really upfront. I'm going to say some stuff, and it may make us uncomfortable, but this is just what the word says. We translated this poorly because we did not want, or the translators of the Bible did not want it to, I, I say they didn't want it to say what it said, they watered it down so that it would not be offensive. Right. But when it says that he saw Noah, it means that he saw, he found the light, he pondered what he saw, and he actually took it a step further than looking upon his father. Yeah. His dad's Drunk and passed out, and he violated his father. That's what the word says. That's what it translates as. So I got that out of the way. So everyone's like, oh gosh, this is awkward. I promise it's going to get a lot better. I just want, I just want you to understand the context, context of what's actually happening. Is that, is that Ham, he didn't just have a thought. He acted upon his thought. See, that's why Jesus, or that's not Jesus, that's why New Testament says, take every thought captive. Amen. Because if you have a thought, it, it, it's, you can have a thought and not sin. It's when you act upon those thoughts when it transitions into sin. Yeah. Because a lot of the thoughts that you have, they don't come from within. They come from without or come from outside trying to get in. And if, you, if they get in and you agree with it, that's when it begins to transition with sin yeah. or into sin. And so Ham has this thought, and it says he pondered, he looked at his father, and he compromises with this sin. Now, now I'll say this, who you are, and I've said this before, who you are when no one's looking is really who you are. And so it's, it's been one thing, I promise, if his brothers had been there in that moment in the room with him, I don't think he would have acted upon that. But because he was alone, he goes and he does what he did. And then he went and told his brothers. But he didn't tell his brothers what he did. He told his brothers, come and look at Pops. So he did went for all forthcoming and everything else. Now, I think this is wild when you look at this story. Now, for all intents and purposes, Hans should have been dead. But because of his father, the Lord showed him grace and allowed him to be into the ark, right? Allowed him to enter into the ark and it saved him and his family. Now, I think this is a picture of what happens is that oftentimes we can get in this level of presence that we're beginning to experience or that we have experienced. But if we don't walk in covenant relationship with the Lord, we can end up out in left field and end up in trouble. I mean, that's mind-boggling to me. I was, I was thinking this past week that you know it was it was it was it was eight years ago this week, 
It was eight years ago this week that um, that I had my encounter with the Lord at Crossroads Tabernacle. It was actually eight years ago today is when I got the picture of Pastor Corey. That, uh, it was a Facebook memory. But anyway, it was eight years ago this week and eight years ago this day that I had this encounter with the Lord that I've never... Now, there's been moments when I wasn't on fire as I should have been, but, but I haven't turned my back on what the Lord did in that moment because it was too real for me. And, and I think like, it, it's, it's preposterous to even think I'm going to turn my back on what the Lord did. And yet it happens all the time. It happens all the time. And, and so I want to say, let, let's just keep pressing into the Lord. Now, now so him, he, he, he did this to his dad. And, and, and I guess this, let me, let me just read this statement. This just goes to show that it doesn't matter what God does to deliver you. If you don't decide to walk out your own deliverance, you end up compromising. And so we've got to make this decision. And so adults, we've got to continue to walk in it. Teenagers, you all, you all just got back from breakaway a week ago. You've got to continue to walk out what the Lord did. And, and then I'll say, yeah, teens, you went to summer camp this year and got blasted by the Holy Spirit. And you've got to make the decision to walk this stuff out day in and day out. And so you wake up every day. It's, I think that's why the Word says, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Some days that's easier than others. And some days it comes naturally. And some days it's like, man, I am hurt. I'm sore. I'm tired. I'm grumpy. I don't want to be around anyone. And yet, I'm going to make the decision to say, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to, be re I'm going to rejoice. and I'm going to be glad in this day. It's a conscientious decision to, to continue to walk this stuff out day in and day out. Amen. Now, verse 24 says, when Noah woke... From his wine, or it's awoke. Sorry. When Noah, when Noah awoke, I'm watching too much news. We have a woke generation. Good grief. When Noah awoke from his wine, he knew that his youngest knew what his youngest son had done to him. So he knew, he knew he'd been violent. He knew what had happened. He wasn't oblivious to what had happened. He knew something had happened. And when he awoke from his wine, he knew what his youngest son had done to him. And so he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, he shall be to his brothers. Now, awoke, it means when he came from his, his super, and not only did he become aware, he began to take action. And so I think this is really important because when we begin to compromise, see, most of the time when people compromise, they think they're slick and they can get by with it, right? And you may be able to fool me. You may be able to fool your friends and your family and your loved ones, but there's not a place that you can go where the Lord does not see you. Everywhere you are, He knows what's going on, right? And so many of us, we try to conceal stuff. I'm telling you, He sees it. You may feel like the compromise that you're in is okay or that you can get by with it, but it, it will catch up. And so, so the compromise of, of, of and, and like, I'm going to transition this here in a second. I know some of this is hard, but, but sin is sin, and the Lord has more for us than that. Okay, let's just call it what it is. And so, the pornography, I say kids, teenagers, don't deal with it. And this isn't just to our boys, it's to our girls as well. Right. These are just right. as prone to this stuff. Right. Sexual compromise? Don't. Go, don't. Right. Don't. Yeah. Wait till you get married. Yes. Amen. 
don't say I'll go so far, and then I'm gonna, I, but I won't cross that line. Just right. don't even get anywhere near any lines. Yeah, that's Lying? Don't. Exaggerating, and especially in today's society, you're like, like I mean, come on. I took 15 of these before I found the right one, and, and I, I've been guilty of it. I've taken like 15 selfies, and I just had an argument with my family, right? And I'm blessed and highly favored. Like, come on. <laughs> Hashtag bless. Uh, <laughs> anger, substance abuse. Like, and I'm not trying to be legalistic. I'm just saying the Lord has more for us. Yes, he does. And when you begin to look at Him, I promise He'll satisfy whatever that itch yes. is. He's going to. Dishonoring others. That's that that one's that one's real sneaky too, by the way. That yeah. that would be like if you're at school or you're at work and everyone's talking bad about someone, you don't engage in it and yeah. you don't laugh. Yeah. Or you turn around and walk off. <laughs> or you stand up and take up for that person. Right? I know that's hard to do some. I'm just saying, like, those compromises, it may not feel like much in the moment, but eventually it becomes a big deal. That's why in Song of Songs it says, let us catch the little foxes together. Because little foxes come and they eat the low-hanging fruits or they actually end up killing the vine. And what happens is, is you end up not being able to produce anything after that. All right. Now, what's wild is the Canaanites eventually did become the slaves of Shem, who was actually the father of the Hebrews, and they were stuck in that compromise for generations. Yes. Now, I, I say this, I say this because, again, how we live our life, it, 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 it's, it's very, very important. And I've been very, very well aware as I've been thinking about sharing that. I've been, I've thought about a lot of the compromises I've had in my own life. Yeah. Thought about the compromises from 10, 15, 20 years ago. I don't. I want my kids to walk in those things. Amen. I want my grandchildren to wrestle with anger. Yeah. I don't want them to wrestle with lust. Like, I haven't dealt with those things forever. But I'm just saying, like, well, maybe the anger one is probably the one that comes back a lot. But I'm just saying, I don't want them to walk in those things because I don't want them to wrestle and go through the same battles that I have went through. And the same thing for spiritual sons and daughters. I don't want you all to wrestle with those things. I don't want you to make stupid mistakes that April and I have made. Like, this is what the gospel is. It's setting up those who are coming up after us for success. And we have a generation that says, no, I'm going to do what I want because I know I can probably do what I want because of God's goodness squeak into heaven. But what we're doing when we live that way is we're setting up those who come up after us for struggles. Because I'm not saying, like, if, if, if you wrestle with that, the Lord's going to, like, I think if you ask for forgiveness, the Lord's quick to forgive. He's going to forgive you. But that compromise, man, like, it's, it doesn't just touch you. Right. It doesn't. And that's why it's like, it is. All right. I think, I've, I think that horse is sufficiently dead. <laughs> I'm just saying the Lord has more for us. 
All right. Now, here's, here's the good news. The good news is, is that if you have, have compromised or have had compromise, the Lord can redeem that. So see, so here's Noah. Noah, this thing happens to Noah, and, and Noah responds. Noah responds to what happens. He says, curse be Cain, and he cursed his grandson, which seems harsh, but, but that's what happens. But the Lord ends up doing a supernatural work, and even though the grandson and the generation was was cursed, the Lord ends up redeeming that and turning that into a promise. Because it, it, those, those in here, the students of the Bible, what was the name of, where was the promise? Anyone know? Canaan land. Okay, so before Canaan was the promised land, Canaan what? Before, let me phrase it like this. Canaan started out as a man, Canaan transitioned to a family, and Canaan transitioned into a land. We start out as individuals, we become families, and then we become a region, is what I believe in the Lord's doing in this, right? <laughs> because it started with a man and a woman with a vision, the Lord gave man and a woman a vision for this area, right? And then other people started surrounding, it becomes a family, and then it becomes an actual revival that sweeps this area. That, that, that is the picture of the kingdom of God. So the Lord takes someone that was like me, that was broken and messed up, he redeems them, he sets them in family, and that family brings more family in. It becomes a land, if you will. And so then it's not like they have good church services. It's like, no, the Ohio River Valley has been redeemed and saved for the Lord because it started out with one person. Now, I'm not putting that much credit on me. I'm saying each and every one of you have that kind of a story. I was an individual. I was living in curse. I was this and I was that. But the Lord set me in a family. And this family is going to believe that the Lord is going to use it to fulfill his promise. And I'm saying right here and right now that, 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 that Louisville, Kentucky is the promised land for lots of people who are not here yet. Amen. <laughs> See, most of us think that when you get stuck in compromise, that you have to stay in compromise. Yeah. Or this is my lot in life. Or, or I sowed my oats and this, I just have to deal with these consequences. That's not what the Bible teaches. I said for years, like I've had to repent to the Lord. Like, like I ought to say, you know, the Lord forgives, but you still got to deal with your consequences. That's not what the Bible teaches. Because if I had to deal with my consequences, I would have been down to that cross. But instead, Jesus was on there for me. I don't pay those consequences. Therefore, I can enjoy the fruit of his labor. And I say this, that many of us, you've done things. Like I was praying about this, this just the other day. I thought, Lord, there's some things that physically, because I've, ch I've taken poor care of my body, that, that I felt like I just had to deal with. Well, what if that's not actually the case? What if the case is that I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and I'm saved by the saved by the testimony of the saint? What what if I don't have to pay those consequences because of His goodness? Amen. Like this is all new to me, but I just can't find it in the Word where the Lord's like, "I'm going to let you into heaven, and you're going to suffer your whole life because of what you did." Right. He was pierced for my transgressions. He was crushed for my sins. Yes. The chastening that was upon him, or the chastening fell upon him, and by his wounds, I am healed. We are healed. All right. So, so, so here's this land that's here's this man that's cursed. 
And even though we've compromised, Canaan eventually becomes the promised land. And I think that's a prophetic picture of many, I, I, it, it, like if I said, who all has done something stupid? Y'all could raise your hands, I'm sure. But that's a prophetic picture of saying, even if you've messed it up, it's not too late. That's right. Amen. It may take some time for it to whatever, but it's not too late. That's right. <laughs> now imagine this. Now imagine this. One man's mistake. Now, could you I, could you imagine being him and and hearing that word like, "All right, I messed up," and and Noah speaking out the curse against his son? Like, I, I'm like that. Just that that would be crushing. Yeah. Be like, I'm I'm fine if you do something to me, but not them. Right. All hope should have been lost. <laughs> All right, I'm going to fast forward in the story a little bit. So, Israelites spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness before they entered into the promised land. And you get to Joshua chapter 3, which is one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. Joshua chapter 3, they're, they're on the cusp. Moses has died. An entire generation has passed away. And Joshua, this man that wouldn't leave the tent of presence, he... It's trusted to lead them into the promised land. Yeah. And I love this. They're about to step into Canaan, which had been redeemed. It was a land now flowing with milk and honey, right? Yeah. <laughs> you heard me joke a while back that it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't cows and bees. It was milk and honey, right? <laughs> I think if the Lord hadn't redeemed it, it would have been cows and bees. It would have been work. But instead, it's milk and honey, which is stewardship, which is just running with what the Lord has given you rather than killing yourself trying to get something fruitful to come. And so here's this, here's this picture of Joshua about to take him to the promised land. And before they cross that river, Joshua says, consecrate yourselves. For the Lord your God will do something amazing among you tomorrow. So it's like, how do we break off those curses? How do we break off our mistakes? You consecrate yourself. Only the Lord can sanctify you. Consecration is what we do. Yeah. Consecration means to set yourself apart for a purpose. And in this case, it's set yourself apart for the Lord's purpose. Amen. Saying, I'm weak, I'm frail, I've messed up. But you can have all of me. Yeah. Yeah. Not just a little bit. I'm, right. I'm done playing games. I'm done meddling. I'm done, I'm done doing this, that, or the other. Can you be quiet? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's funny. You're red. I <laughs> know. To consecrate yourself for tomorrow the Lord your God will do something amazing among you. This is why what we're doing, why I believe it's so important. This revivalistic culture, this prayer culture, this presence culture, us stewarding this environment is an act of consecration yeah. unto itself. Yeah. Yeah. And that consecration isn't just affecting us, it affects everyone who walks into this place. Amen. And so by us 
three, hopefully more times in the future, what we're believing for. Us coming up here and just praying for an hour, praying and worshiping. What it's doing is it's creating an atmosphere and an environment where we're familiar with the presence of the Lord. And when someone walks in, it feels different than Walmart does. And when someone walks in, it feels like the dead, it feels different than the dead religious churches down the street. I'm not saying there's one damage. I'm just saying you understand what I'm saying. Like, it, it does something. It transitions something. It sets us apart for the Lord to fulfill His purposes. And so that's why it's so important to get into these waters. Amen. Because after they consecrated themselves, they actually end up walking over the river on dry land again. But it was the Ark of the Presence that went first. Yeah. The priests had to put their toes in the water and when they carried that, the Ark of the Covenant, they put their toes in the water, and the waters, it stopped well ahead and well behind. And the Bible says in Joshua, they walked across on dry ground. So here's another splitting of the, of, of the waters, if you will. And I think that you've got to get into the waters of devotion. Amen. You've got to get into the waters of, of pers- devotion, personal worship and word. You've got to get into the waters of of consecration. You've got to get into the waters of prayer. You've got to get into the waters of having not just corporate worship, but personal worship. By the way, and both are equally important. Those will say it's a personal relationship with Jesus. It's very personal, but it's also corporate. Yes. And it's also very corporate, but it's also very personal. Yeah. Because if you're only relying on the corporate expression, when you're 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 going to be starving for a corporate weekly worship experience, yeah. and then you're going to be like, "Well, I heard some of those things before. I didn't get anything out of it." That's not the whole purpose. The purpose is to be equipped to do the works of ministry. But when you're alone, we said this last week, when you're alone with the Lord in the secret place, what He does in your heart, it it collides with what he's done in my heart, collides with what he's done in Bob's heart, and then it does something in the entire room, and we all receive from the Lord. Amen. That's right. So it's like, how do we break this stuff off? Set yourself apart for the Lord. Forgive me, I'm yours. Now, now, Those in the room that have struggled, let me just say this, and I'm, I'm, I'll, I will finish up early because I can I can smell the food. <laughs> you too, oh, I'm Baylor. I love you. I got so blessed watching you worship too this morning. Amen. Yeah. So it's like, all right. So if we've got these these, if I've, if I've had compromise in my life. Like, how do I know he's really going to set me free from those compromises? Or, and, and I don't want to put a bunch of fear in you, like, my dad was an alcoholic, I'm going to struggle with it. No, that's, you don't have to do that either. That's right, that's right. Amen. Okay? Or my parents were this, that, or the other. Like, that's not what you have, like, whatever. Amen. Like, the Lord can sever that bloodline Amen. just right Amen. in and there. Amen. It's like, why would he do that for us? Let me, let me read this verse. Why would God remove, I'm going to read some of this verbatim. Why would God remove curses from our compromise? And, and, and the simple truth is because he loves us in the same degree in which he loved his son. Amen. God wants to transform our curses into compromises and, and then transition us to where we step into his promises. John 17 says this, the glory, this is Jesus praying for us. 
the glory which you've given me, I've given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. I, I like I've heard that preached a hundred times and I hear that quote all the time. We need to be united, we need to be united, we need to be united, and I agree. But this past week, this next part has just hit me like a ton of bricks. I and them and you and me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. That phrase, even as you have loved me, means this he Jesus prayed that the Father would love us just as much as he loved Jesus. Yeah. Like that makes me squirm and feel uncomfortable. It's like I can like Jesus is pretty good, right? Like how the Father, it's easy to understand how the Father could love Jesus like that. But can he really love you and I like that? Let me read the Passion Translation of this verse. For the glory which you've given to me, I have given to them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live fully in me, and now I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity. And the world will become convinced that you have sent me, for they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love in which you have loved me. So like, how can I believe the Lord can set me free like that? Or how can you believe the Lord can really just, in whatever ounce of compromise that is, how can you actually believe that he wants to do that? It's actually just believing that he loves me the same way he loved his son. Yeah. You got real quiet in here. That's hard for people to hear. It's like, I know he loves me for God's all over the world, right? Yeah. But you didn't realize how much he actually do, do, does love you. Yeah. I think even though we, like some of us will say things like we, we pray, we, we'll pray, you know, Abba, Father, some of y'all will say Papa when you pray and you know, you'll say that out loud and that's what Abba means. But I'm not sure sometimes we actually understand what we're saying. Because I think that we think this, and I want to say this, and I think sometimes we think that that the father beat the hell out of the son, and the father's waiting to do that to us. The son put himself up on the cross. And I believe it pained the father, that's why it got dark. See, the father, the only two times he spoke about his son, he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well. Please. Yeah. Listen, if you're in here struggling this morning, Brett, I actually want something playing behind me. So I want to pray for this. I, I don't want to just, I don't think we just need to say amen and move on and eat. This may be the most disjointed thing I've shared in a long time. That's okay. You see, many of us struggle, and we continue to struggle, and we continue to struggle, and we continue. Let me say this. Many of, many of us struggle with addictions, and they come with many different things, because we're not fully convinced of the way that he feels about us. Yeah. But if he can take a curse and turn it into someone else's promise, because that's what he did. He took one man's curse 
and he ends up turning it and redeeming it into someone else's promise. What does that look like for us? Well, I tell you what it looks like. It looks like a room full of people in which everyone has dealt with something completely different, and those curses become someone else's blessing that's not in this building right here and right now. What it looks like is, is for those in the room that have wrestled with pornography, what it looks like is someone else coming into this room, and you're like, hey, I struggled with this, and they get radically set free. Because it's the promise that they no longer need to wrestle with that. For those that struggle with drinking or substance abuse or whatever, or excess, it, it looks like someone else coming into this space saying, I'm wrestling with this thing, and you're saying, God set me free. Now that's your promise. I feel real strong. It's fun. Let me say this. As, as a preacher, it's funny because sometimes you have a feeling how something's going to come out. Like, I thought this was going to come out real fiery, and that's not how it came out today. But I actually think it's the tenderness of the Lord that's wanting to convince you of how much He cares, of how much He cares, because He wants to take the things that you have wrestled with and say, no more. And of those that haven't wrestled with things, but you're like, but my family has wrestled with these things, I just hear the Lord saying, whisper them no more. You're not to deal with that. I'm going to set you free from it. I'm giving you a new line. I'm giving you a new line. I was laying on the floor and I was crying. It was two or three. 
laying on the floor and crying. I had this encounter with the Lord. I was frustrated about some different things. As I'm laying up there, I, I, I was there. I was on the floor. I, I, I missed lunch. Brian Powell bought, bought, bought lunch that day, and I, I was on the floor through lunch. I missed Brian Powell. I didn't for my meal. there, the Lord, I don't think I've ever shared this. I've shared parts of it, but I haven't said how it came. But I was there on the floor with the Lord. And just me and Him. I just saw this picture of our city. And what I saw was Louisville has these interstates that run through it. You guys have heard me say that. We have basically the north and south and east and west. There's highways that run through our city. And I saw a picture of cars lined up on all the interstates coming to the central hub. And I'm not saying we're the central hub, but I'm saying that there's other places within the city where the Lord's moving. But what if that actually was real? Because the Lord's presence so real because a group of people got so set free of the compromise that they were living in or the compromise that their family had lived in that they realized that's not, not what I'm going to walk in yeah. and what it does is it attracts people from all over. Some will be here permanently, some will move in to repopulate the city some will only be here for a few weeks or days just to be ministered to and they'll go about their way with us getting that revelation. So I think that's enough teaching and preaching. I just want to pray over us today. to a few of us in the room, I want to give this word that I want to pray. Some of you really, really like me and that you get restless. And does this make sense when you're sitting there at the table and you're doing this with your life? Some of us, we live our life that way. Always itching for what's next. Always itching for bigger and better. There's nothing wrong with it. I just hear the Lord saying he's going to take away the restlessness so you can begin to enjoy the season that you're in. Amen. I'm not going to point you out, but I know exactly who that's for right now. So I pray right here and right now, Lord. I don't, if you need to pray around front, you can. If you just want to sit in your seat, you can. I'm not, I'm just, I want you to respond accordingly today. You've got compromise in your heart and you're ready to be set free of your compromise. The Lord can turn that compromise into a promise, and I believe He's going to do it right here and right now. I actually believe that it doesn't even have to be a process. I actually believe it can be what, what happened 13 and a half years ago. I was addicted to Copenhagen. Fine cut, go through two cans a day. 
I've tried to quit numerous times, and April wanted me to quit. April actually wanted me to quit. It was it was long. Was it longer than that? Longer than that. She wanted me to quit because she had wanted our son to see me chewing tobacco. It was really kind of right at the very beginning of her walk with Jesus. She said, I don't want my son seeing that, and I don't want you to die of cancer. And I couldn't shake it. Just couldn't shake it. It was on her birthday, wasn't it? Had a half a can laying on the table, which at that time was like four bucks, and that was a lot of money back then. <laughs> she says, is this empty or is it done? And I said, and, and, and like, I, I knew it was still good. I knew it was still good. And I said, throw it away. It's no good. When I wanted to say, I need that, leave that. But out of my mouth, I said, throw it away. And that was the Lord. And that day, she pitched it in the can and never looked back. And like I said, I've tried to quit dozens of times before then and just couldn't. I tell you that because I believe that this is that moment for many of you in the room today. There's a lot of hidden compromise. Today is the day that it just gets thrown in the trash and you don't have to run back to it. Now, if you mess up, whatever. There's grace. I'm gonna, and I don't want you to feel guilty if you mess up. But I'm just going to tell you today, just no more. If there's hidden compromise, we're going to pray that that just gets broken off in the name of Jesus. And those that think, well, my parents were this, or my dad was an alcoholic, or my mom was a drug addict, or my, pa- my grandparent did this, or that, or the other. I don't know. There's lots of people in the room. That's not who you have to be. That's right. Bible says he puts the lonely in families. He's not talking about your birth family. He's talking about the family of God. So he takes individuals and he puts them into a family. And that family becomes a promised land. Then others can come. They don't have to work really hard for the for the for the cows and bees. But they get to experience the milk and honey that we've cultivated. So, Lord, I pray right here and right now, any ounce of struggle, I just pray it gets broken off. Some of you, you're doing really good. That's great. And if you're like, I I, I don't have any compromise in my heart, I don't want you to go dig in a metal and drink like this or anything. Just ask the Lord, Lord, search my heart. If he brings something to your heart, that's what he wants to touch. If he doesn't bring anything to your heart, I want you to pray for the others in the room. I say, Lord, no more hidden compromise. No more hidden sin. It's more than compromise, it's sin. No more dealing with lust. No more dealing with anger. No more dealing with things that we shouldn't look at online. I just say, Lord, let them be free in Jesus' name. I say, I say to our teenagers and our children, no compromising online. No trying to present yourself as something that you are not online so that others like you more. The Father loves you in the same manner in which He loves Jesus. That's what the Word says. So say, no more compromising with 
that. For some of us in the room, our family, uh, our family doesn't have just issues. They subscribe to all sorts of issues. I say that's not who you have to be. And it doesn't matter if you're 20, 30, 40, or 80. Who your family was is not who you have to be. And I'm not talking about dishonoring your family. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying you don't have to walk in the same things that they walked in. Some of us come from a religious background. That's not who you have to live live by. Wow. You can hear this. Some of us, we've had family members that used to be on fire for the Lord and are no longer on fire for the Lord. And you're scared to death that that's going to happen to you one day. And I just say it's not going to happen. But I pray, Lord, would you just come very tenderly this morning. Convince people that you don't have to work to get free. You don't have to strive. You don't have to strive to get free. You actually strive and war to enter into rest is what the Word says. But I say just receive it this morning. Just receive it this morning. No striving, no more struggle, no more wrestling. No more compromise. that even as I said that we become broken and messed up people that the Lord sets in family that becomes a land for others some of you are actually going to become a land for others to come and drink from and what I mean is that's John 7 38 that out of your belly will flow rivers of living water some of us because we're getting set into what we're getting set in that your co-workers are going to come to you and they have no idea why they're coming to you uh, old acquaintances old high school friends. I've had messages from people I went to high school with this last week that I haven't thought about in 18 years. Asking for prayer. I think it's because the Lord is starting to convince me. I can theologically articulate that God loves me and God loves you. I can do it till I turn blue in the face. I know what the Bible says. But I'm really becoming convinced of it. And I think that's what the Lord's doing. He's going to convince you so that others can experience the same water. So, Lord, I just bless what you're doing in the room. <laughs> I know I just feel it's really tender. It's really tender. We're just going to linger here just a moment longer. I think I'm going to stop talking for a moment and just allow the Lord to do what He wants to do in your hearts. So we say right now, just come Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to the River City Hope Church Podcast. To stay up to date, follow us on social media. For ways to give and more information, go to HopeForRiverCity.com.